glad that all of you are here today in the house of the Lord. I'm going to read four verses of scripture today. And this is a continuation of our series on the book of Acts. A lot of good stuff in Acts chapter 17, which is where we are today. But felt led of the Lord to preach from this passage. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowd. I wrestled a little bit over the title and was going to preach about the nobility of receiving the word, but decided today to preach from this title, Valuing God's Word, Valuing God's Word. God bless you, you may be seated. There are many things that people value in life, mostly it is things more than people. Some people collect antiques and sometimes when you find antique collectors they have thousands or tens of thousands or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of antiques that they collect over the years and the more rare that something is the more value it has and and that could be true of antiques. My wife likes antiques. We, We don't have many but and I'm not even sure, maybe the definition of antiques when it comes to furniture is 50 years old. Sometimes with cars, people use, it's a classic at 25 and it's an antique at 50. Or, and if you know more about that than I do, you may be like, man, he's way off. But the bottom line is this, that people value a variety of things. I mentioned old cars. I know people that they like old vehicles. They They seek them out, and if you watch auctions or see auctions of classic and antique cars, you will see these cars going going in the hundreds of thousands of dollars at times because of their rarity and because of the quality of their condition. People value jewels, And, and with jewels, and maybe it's also true of old cars, it's something that you rarely see. They rarely take it out. If somebody has an antique car that's worth much money they keep it all covered up they keep it in a garage and then even inside the garage they'll keep it under some kind of cover and every once in a while they'll take it out and enjoy this thing that they value and jewels are no exception to that where people will take these these jewels and they will wear them once a year or twice a year other than that they keep them locked away in a vault because they're worried about somebody stealing them Art is another thing that people value, and it may be a little different because sometimes people will hang the original on the wall that's worth $3.5 million, but many times they'll keep that in a vault and they'll have a copy on the wall. And, and just knowing that they have this thing of great value. 
So often these valuable things, people don't use them every day. They don't use them all the time. They keep them hidden away for special occasion or an occasional opportunity to look at them or to show them off. The Bible would tell us that the Word of God is valuable. And it's valuable because it is God's Word. It's valuable because God is the author of that book that we call the Bible. And in that book, it tells us about God and it tells us about our origin. It it tells us about how we are to be in relationship with Him and how He wants us to live and how He wants us to talk with Him, how He wants us to walk in life. It tells us about the fall of man and, and how we came to be in this sinful state that we find ourselves. It tells us a whole lot because it is God's Word and He is the author of it and that alone makes it valuable. But if the Word of God is not something that we are to view occasionally, it is not something that we keep in a, in a vault and every month or so we take it out and we look at it and we go, oh man, look at how great this leather is and look at how nice the pages and the gold gilding around the edges. That's not how we treat the Word of God, but it's something that we are to look at all the time because it informs our lives, it informs our relationship with Jesus Christ, and it helps us to grow in relationship with Him. I would tell you, though, that not everybody values the Word of God. I referenced this Thursday night in our midweek discipleship group. And, and I don't know if you pay attention to the news World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the, the various things that they are seeking to do. And, you know, and then we live in a world that is full of conspiracy theories. I heard some today, I was listening to a podcast, that are easily proven not to be true. People just putting things out and doctoring videos and trying to stir up various things. But when the people who are doing things say that they're doing them, then it's not a conspiracy theory so we have a group in the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab who heads that up. But, but I bring that up today because his right-hand man, his lead scientist, who happens to be an atheistic Jew, he is ethnically Jewish, but he is an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. And speaking of fake news, he said, Fake news is nothing new. He said, we've had fake news around for centuries. Just look at the Bible. It's all fake news. That, that we don't live in a world where everybody values the Word of God and everybody looks at it with, with awe and reverence, but, but we live in a world where many people are devaluing it and they're putting it down and ultimately they would try to destroy it. And there have been dictatorships and regimes over the, the centuries who have tried to do that. But God's Word is valuable. And I want to give you some reasons why it's valuable, but ultimately I don't want you just to know that it's valuable, but as the title would say, that we are to value it. That it is our attitude and our perspective and our, our, our view of God's Word that is of utmost importance. 
That's the first thing I want to point out to you is that God, the Word of God requires a proper attitude. It requires a proper attitude. Acts 17, 11, these are the Jews that are in Berea, a city not too far away from Thessalonica. And the Bible says of them, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They weren't noble because they were well-bred. They weren't noble because they were part of some royal family. They weren't noble because of their lineage, but they were called noble because they received the word with all eagerness. That they had a desire to hear the word of God. They had a desire to learn about the word of God. And the contrast is this, is that Paul, who has been in Thessalonica, he had preached to the Jews there and stirred up. They got a little stirred up and agitated because they didn't want to hear the word. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So he goes to Berea and the Jews in the, in the city of Berea, what the Bible says, and I've told you this, you've seen this through the book of Acts, is that when Paul would would go into a city, even though he's the apostle to the Gentiles, the first place he would go is to a Jewish synagogue. There are a variety of reasons for that, but the Jews were closer than anything else to the truth. Everybody else is total pagans. At least the Jews, they believed in the Old Testament Scripture. They were looking for the Messiah. And so Paul could show up in a Jewish synagogue and say, hey, the Messiah that we have been looking for, he is here. He has come. And so he would then preach unto them Jesus. And Thessalonica, they refused to hear the word of God. And so they kicked him out. He goes to Berea and he says they were more noble because they had this eagerness to receive the word. I would tell you that we need to be eager to hear the truth of God's word. There are people, and not just about theology, not just about scripture, they don't want to hear the truth. You ever been around somebody like that? Don't confuse me with the facts. I don't want to know. I want to stay where I am. I want to believe what I believe. And I don't want to know anything different because then I might have to change. But you and I should have an eagerness to hear to the word of God, to receive the truth of God's word. An eagerness to learn of him. You come to church. And I've been on the other side of the microphone most of my life, okay? More than I've been on this side of the pulpit, I've been out there in the pew. And I've been through some services, and I'm like, man, would this guy ever get done? Anybody been there? Anybody ever been there here? Thank you. <laughs> so I, I get that. But if I told you today that what I'm going to do for four hours straight, I'm, gonna, I'm going to just read the Bible, and I want you to stand there, not sit, but stand and listen to me read. I would venture to say none of you would have shown up today. The Bible tells us, though, 
that after not having the Word of God, and not being exposed to the reading of the Word of God, that the Jews coming out of a Babylonian captivity, when they had returned to Jerusalem, that they stood for four hours straight just listening to the Word of God being read. And while I'm not asking you to listen to me for four hours or listen to your Bible app for four hours, I am telling you this, that we should have an eagerness to hear the Word of God, an eagerness to learn of Him, an eagerness to know truth. It has been said, it is not what I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me, it's what I understand. It's what I know that the Bible wants me to do. It's what I know the Bible wants me to be. That's what bothers me, because that's the hard stuff. The stuff I don't understand, that doesn't confuse me, but that love your enemy stuff, that's a little difficult. That love your neighbor as yourself stuff, when somebody asks for your coat, give them your coat also. When somebody asks you to carry something one mile, carry it two Oh, that's the stuff that's hard. But when we have an eagerness to hear the Word of God and to understand the truth of the Word of God, the Bible would say of us, just like those, those people in Berea, that we are more noble than those who refuse to hear. I would tell you, whatever it takes to get me to heaven, I want to hear it. That if it's hard and if it's difficult or if it's not what I, what I really want, but when my goal is to get to heaven and spend an eternity with Jesus, don't hold it back from me, but tell me what I need to know. And the Bereans were saying, tell us if there's something we don't know. Tell us what it is so that we can get to heaven, that we can fulfill the Scripture, that we can follow His Word. The Bible supersedes our tradition, preachers, feelings, experiences. The attitude that we should have with the Word of God is this, is that we are not over the Word of God, that we don't decide what it says, we don't determine the meaning, we don't determine what we like and what we don't like. It's not even on an equal plane with me. It's not me and the Bible deciding truth. No, it is God's Word that is over me, and I put myself under it. That's the attitude that God is calling us to have. Secondly, I would tell you that the Word of God requires diligent intake. Diligent intake. It says not only did they receive the Word with all eagerness, but they examined the Scriptures daily. The last part of verse 11, examining the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. It is a daily intake of the Scriptures that we need, diligently partaking of the Scripture. We get that through daily Bible reading. That's easy. We get that through daily study where the, the Word would say this, that we meditate in His law day and night. The psalmist would say, in His law doth I meditate day and night. That I 
want to get into his word. I don't just want to read it, but I want to meditate on it. I want to think on it. I want to process it. And, and, and you probably have heard this, and maybe I've, told, I've said it before in a sermon, but, but meditation is not like the, the transcendental uh, Far Eastern meditation where you sit there and you, you got to do alms and hold all of this out. And the difference in that meditation and biblical meditation is this, is that the, the meditation that you would see out in the Far Eastern type or uh, New Age type things is that their goal is to empty their mind of anything, to make it a blank slate, and then whatever just happens to come in. And I would tell you, when you're sitting there emptying your mind and calling on false gods, something's going to come in. <laughs> But the meditation that the psalmist writes about is this. It is like a, a cow that chews its cud. It's really more like rumination where a cow will, will eat grass. And then you'll see that cow later sitting down, laying on the ground, chewing on something. They're like, what are they doing? Because they recurgitate that up and they chew it again and they keep processing that. That when the psalmist says meditate on his law day and night, what he's saying is I'm thinking about it. I'm intentionally focusing on God's word. I'm not just reading it and letting it go, but I'm going to read it and later that day I'm going to think about it. I'm like, how can I live that out and what does it really mean and how can I apply it in my life? The daily intake of the word of God and I would say that's stuff you can do on your own, but also we need weekly discipleship where we gather together and we, we talk about the Word of God and we learn of the Word of God and weekly corporate worship services like this where the Word of God is preached, not what you were going to read and not what you were going to think, but what God has given through His Word to be proclaimed that day in a service. memorizing scripture thy word O God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you the psalmist would write in Psalm 119 so when we hide his word in our heart it changes our lives it changes the way we live sharing his word daily I just heard this recently, and of course I, I've, I've heard it for years as someone who's taught in a Bible college setting, use this kind of thing, but it was just said this way on a podcast that we, most people retain 10% of what they read, maybe 20% of what they hear, and if you read it and hear it, the percentage goes up to 30 to 50 percent depending on who you're listening to or talking about what studies but what is true in almost all of those studies is that you retain some 90 to 95 percent of what you teach what that means is this when it comes to the word of God that, that you can hide his word in your heart and you can meditate on it and you will keep it for a while but what you teach others and what you share with somebody in evangelism it will stick with you that what you tell them about the word of God and what you explain to them about God and his word it will stick around that you will retain 90 to 95 percent 
you have trouble remembering God's truth or if you have trouble with understanding His Word, take in Scripture daily. Do all of those other things, but I would tell you also to share it daily as well. Thirdly, just understand that the Word of God is more than the New Testament. Here, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, they are examining the Scriptures daily. They didn't have the book of Acts. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the Scriptures that they are examining, they're examining the Old Testament. They're looking to the Old Testament and looking there to see if what Paul is telling them about Jesus Christ is true from the Old Testament. Understand this, that the Bible fits together. It's not, it's not two halves and this is told, the Old Testament is totally different than the New Testament. But the Bible would say that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster or in the New King James it would say this in Galatians 3.24, Therefore the law was our tutor. To bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. That the Old Testament is getting the Jews and getting God's people to the point where they could receive Him and understand Him. You may have heard this statement that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That all of God's Word fits together. All of God's Word is proclaiming His truth. And while we live in a new covenant, we have an eternal plan. We live in a new covenant, but it is an eternal truth. God has not changed His plan, and God has not changed His truth. It is all connected. The Bible is not a buffet. I like to eat one of my favorite subjects to talk about when I'm preaching. <laughs> I, I, don't like, I don't like buffets as much as I used to. I don't eat as much. I, I've heard all of my life that the older you get, the less you want to eat. What I found is I still want to eat as much as I did. I just can't do it. <laughs> now that I'm 50, now that I'm an old man, that was not a need for affirmation there. But the Bible is not a buffet. Where you go and there's a whole lot of different things and you take a little of this and oh, we'll take a little bit of that. I, mean, I don't want any of this. Oh, I like that sounds good over there. Saved by faith. I like that. Oh, I'll take a little more grace here. I, that righteousness, holiness stuff. No, you, somebody else can have that. But the Bible is not a buffet. It is all of God's Word that is pointing to Jesus Christ. So we should learn it all. And I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with this. You don't have to fully understand the Old Testament. You don't have to do all of that. There are some things, well, and, I, and I've said this, that the Bible is equally inspired 
but it's not equally important. Because if you don't know how the tabernacle was put together and how many badger skins are on the outside, you can still make it to heaven if you know Acts 2.38. But if you know all the badger skins and everything just taking place on the tabernacle and what Solomon did when he built the temple and you can name all of that, but you don't know the plan of salvation, then it doesn't do you any good. All equally inspired by God. All God-breathed, but not equally important. But all pointing us to Jesus. All helping us to understand the truth of the gospel. All pointing us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, hated the book of James, wanted to throw it out of the Bible because he had decided that it was salvation by faith alone. The Latin phrase, sola pistis, and, and he's like, this is all, and I don't want to have James because James talks about faith and works and forget that work stuff. And he would call it this, a right straw epistle, whatever that means. But it was it was derogatory and pejorative, and he wanted to get rid of it. And It has been said of Thomas Jefferson that there were places in the Bible he didn't like, and he would just take and cut those pages out. But I would tell you that the Word of God, is, it's all there for a reason. It's all there for our benefit. It's all there for us to learn about God. And it's more than the New Testament, and for some people... They only use a minor piece of the New Testament where they cherry-pick verse here and there to support their preferred theology. Fourthly, I would tell you that the Word of God convicts and convinces. They studied the Scripture daily to see if these things were so, and a great many people believed and not, a, not just a few well-off Greek women and others who believe the Word of God. So I would tell you, when you come to the Word with the right attitude, it will be a lamp and a light. As the psalmist wrote in one, Psalm 119.105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And when you come to that understanding of His Word, it will guide you. It will convict you of your sin. It will convince you of its truth. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, as the writer of Hebrews would say, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And God's word will validate our experience with him. That when we have experiences that don't line up with the Word of God, then we can have no assurance that that was really Him. But when we have an experience and we can go to the Word of God and say, this is what the Bible said and this is what they experienced. And I can say, that was God that showed up. That was God that healed me because His Word says He's a healer. That's God who delivered me because I asked Him and His Word says He's a deliverer. That's the Spirit that came and filled me because His I spoke in a language I didn't know, and that's what they did in the book of Acts. So I know that my experience is in line with his word. Isaiah would write it this way, that his word would not return void, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. 
and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And that's Isaiah recording the word of God saying, my word will not return void. That when God speaks his word and when God writes his word and we read it and we apply it to our lives, it will convince and it will convict and it will not return void. The word of God will set us free. John 17, 17, Jesus praying his high priestly prayer would say this, sanctify them through your truth. Thy word is truth. That brings me to the last thing today, and that is this, that the word of God determines truth. We live in a world where the individual gets to decide and determine their own reality. That the individual gets to determine their own truth. But the Word of God is that absolute truth, an absolute and objective truth in a world of subjective reality. We don't get to make up what is true. We don't get to decide it for ourselves. It really doesn't matter what you decide. Truth is truth. It doesn't really matter if you agree with it. It doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't change the truth. The truth is absolute because it comes from God. I had a professor in seminary, and keep in mind, you know, we're Pentecostal, I went to a Baptist seminary, had a great experience, loved my professors, loved my fellow students, but on at least two different occasions, this one professor, and I really liked him, the guy was brilliant. He knew all kind of stuff about the Bible and the backgrounds of New Testament stuff and that I'd never heard. And but on two different occasions, in this one class, actually two different classes, one of these, a passage on baptism and another passage on that if your right hand offends you, cut it off, and your right eye offends you, pluck it out, because it's better to live, to enter into heaven maimed than to go to hell whole. And when covering that is we're going verse by verse through these two different books of the Bible and these two different classes. He made the statement that if you read that, it would imply, for one, that you could lose your salvation, and for the other, that where Peter would write, even so, baptism doth also now save us. For the one, he said of this, yeah, it would look like you could lose your salvation here, but we know that's not true. Then he just went to the next verse because he had no other explanation other than what it said. 
but it didn't fit his theology. It didn't fit what his preferred theology was, so we just know that's not true. And when going through Peter's epistle where he would write, even so baptism doth also now save us, he said this, this is the exact words. If you read that verse, it looks like baptism is necessary for salvation, but we know that's not true. Next verse. So we live in a, not only a world, but even a Christian community where they pick and choose what they want to believe. But the Word of God is the determiner of truth. It's the source. It is the, the place where we go to get truth, it's not a place where we go to say, I don't know that I agree with that, so therefore I will throw it away. I had fellow students, or, uh, fellow students there in seminary, and we would talk about baptism in the name of Jesus. And they would acknowledge that it's what the Bible said. It's the way the Bible said to be baptized. It's the way that Peter, James, and John, and everybody in the book of Acts, I could show them that, and they would say, yep, that's what it says. Are you going to change and baptize people in the name of Jesus? No, we're going to stick with tradition. What they're doing is they're deciding truth for themselves. They're not letting the Word of God determine it. But I would tell you that the Word of God is the determiner of truth. Renowned Christian scholar F.F. F. Bruce, when reading or when writing his commentary in the book of Acts as he gets to Acts chapter 8, verse 16, I believe it is, where the Bible says that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, only they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. The clear implication of that scripture is this, is that being filled with the Spirit is something that is different from water baptism. But because he didn't like Jesus' name, baptism, he said, see, that's the problem. They'd have been baptized in the Trinity. They'd have got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> A brilliant scholar just say, I'll throw it out because it doesn't fit my theology. What I would tell you, we don't get to determine truth. The Bible determines truth. And we are to love it. We are to embrace it. We are to live it. We don't decide it, but we discover it and we obey it. So many prefer their truth over the truth. I could name names, but I will not do it today. But the Jews in Berea, they're going to the synagogue every Saturday on their Sabbath day. They had the entirety of the Old Testament. They would read the Old Testament every Saturday. But not only did they do that, but growing up, they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. I mean, that was school. There wasn't just reading, writing, and arithmetic. There was the Torah. We're, we are learning and memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I can't even read Leviticus. 
our numbers. <laughs> That's hard to do. They memorized it word for word. But for all of that, they only had partial truth. They didn't understand about Jesus. They, they didn't know yet that Jesus had come. They, they knew the Messiah was coming. They knew they were looking for him. Paul would write in Acts 20 in his farewell address to the church at Ephesus, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. There are a lot of people preaching from the Bible today. There are plenty of other places where they're not preaching even from the Bible. But there is a whole list of things that we need to understand and about His Word. We need to know that man is a sinner. We need to know that there's no heart, hope apart from Jesus Christ. We need to understand that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. To understand that He and He alone is the Messiah. That we must believe that, repent of our sins and we must have our sins washed away through the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence with speaking in other tongues. But all of that that I just read to you, that's just the beginning. It's a birth, a new birth. That we must follow Jesus continually. We must walk in righteousness and holiness. why the psalmist would write in Psalm 24 who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation so I would tell you today that God is calling us to get into His Word and to get His Word into us so that we may be fully devoted developing and deployed followers of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be entered into His kingdom, but He's calling us to something more that only happens when we're in His Word. The Word of God requires a proper attitude. It requires diligent intake. It is more than the New Testament. It convicts, it convinces, and it is the determiner of truth. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 3. After walking through all of his Jewish accolades that he's a he's of the tribe of Benjamin he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees and he has sat at the feet of scholars see I would put all that aside 
of things. He would count her rights. He would put them all aside and count them. And use his words, he said, I would count them but dung that I may know Christ. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. That part of the way, it's not all of the way, but it's a big part of the way that we know Jesus is through the word of God. I'm calling you today to value his word. And if you value it, to get into it, to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to, to memorize it, to share it, to show up like you did today to hear it preached. And Job would say this, that I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I love to eat, as I mentioned, and I want to get to the place where I would rather read his word than eat. That if I had a choice, you can, you can spend time in God's word or you can have this great meal. That if I had to make a choice, that I would esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Would you stand together? I've been going for 41 minutes. We need to get into the Word of God on a daily basis. We live in a world where people want their cake and eat it too. They want a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. They want a form of godliness, but they deny the power of the God of the Word. So my call to you today is this. Love the Word. Value the Word. Read it daily. Meditate on it daily. Grow in it weekly in discipleship. Hear it preached weekly. Memorize it consistently. And share it continually. If that's your desire, would you lift your hands where you are and would you ask God to give you a love for His Word that, that it would become of utmost importance in your life and in your daily Walk with him. Jesus, we love you. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. God, we love your word. We want to love it even more. We want to get into your word, Jesus. Yes, Lord. When you speak, you will be heard. God, we love you. Show me deeper revelation as I seek you through your yes, word. Jesus. May I never this passion let it burn within my yes, heart and let every vague distraction be consumed by all you are to me of love the truth and all the things that draw me close to you yes a love your truth. A love so strong that I, I will not, not be moved. I will not be moved. Because you are the truth. You mean more to me than words could ever say. So I promise, Lord, I'll never walk away. 
that you give us a love for your truth. Lord, this song and your word says that you are the truth, and so, Lord, we want to love for you. We also want to love for everything that will draw us close to you, everything that will help us to be closer in relationship with you, Lord. Work in us, I pray. God, I pray that you baptize all of us with a love for you and a love for your truth today. A love for your word that we would value it so much that we would spend time in it daily. Not just checking off a box that we've read it, Lord, but that we would seek to understand it, seek to apply it, that we would share it with those around us. We thank you. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor. And everybody said amen.